please stand for the call to worship. It is God, our maker, who sets us free to live. It is Jesus, our Christ, who has blazed the trail of new life. It is the spirit of peace that binds us as one. Glory be to God, the maker, Christ, and spirit in all that we say and do here. Amen. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Southside Baptist Church on this Lord's Day. It's good to be here in the house that is dedicated to worship this beautiful sacred space that we assemble in every week. And as we gather, we do so to lift our voices in praising the one true and living God. 
Today as we gather, we know that there are guests among us that have come from maybe far away and some from here in town, and we want to have a record of all of those who are with us, but also those who uh, are our members that are here every week. We want to also know if there's anything going on with you that uh, we'd need to know as well, maybe a new phone number, email address that would help us stay in touch with you. So if you would take a moment to look at the end of each pew, you'll see a blue tablet there, a notebook, and you can write in there your name and any other information and share that with us. And Henry, if there's not, there's one right behind you. Okay. Southside Baptist Church is in the heart of Five Points South, building an inclusive community of grace first in this community and then beyond to welcome all who come into this door as created beings equal before God, people that we seek to uh, learn and grow from, but also that we seek to walk along with as we all seek to grow closer to God day by day. So I hope that as you came in today that you were warmly received and that you will also uh, experience that later in our service today. We would like for everyone to take a moment to pass the peace of Christ to those nearby, and if you would do that by standing and uh, just saying to them, may the peace of Christ be with you. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord, and we are glad that you all are here indeed. We, uh, we come together to sing, to pray, to listen, to read, to uh, uh, worship together. Um, may, we, may we do so now as we call upon the name of the Lord as we begin our service. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to come here on a given Sunday, the freedom to worship, the freedom to know that your grace and your love is, is abundant, that we may drink it in and that we may share it with others through this coming week. Help us as we begin this service of worship to open our hearts, our minds, our very souls so that we may fill it with your love and, and grace. Again, that we may not keep it to ourselves, but that we may leave this place and share it with all. We pray this in the name of the Christ who lives and breathes in us. Amen. May we stand as we sing together a great old this is one of those old ones, folks. May we stand and sing together. <laughs> I love to tell. 
Our first scripture lesson today is found in the Psalter, Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn, those who devour my people as men eat bread, and who do not call on the Lord? There they are overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, for the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Here ends our first lesson. Our second reading is from the New Testament, from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 3, and reading from verse 14 through the end of the chapter. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasseth knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord.
may be seated. Well, Jack, if you uh, turn right, right here and sit right here beside me, okay? <laughs> Maybe by osmosis I can gain some of the energy he has because he's got lots of it. Martin, good to see you. Abigail, Millicent, glad y'all are here today. Well, you know, it sort of um, rained all week, didn't it? Lots of rain, and not I know, yesterday. well, not yesterday, but most of the week. So it, it was wet, and, and we were waiting. And who else's birthday? Who else had a birthday? Martine's. So seven and eight. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. Well, we're gonna, we will. Uh, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a little present in a minute. Yeah. It's the same one I give you every week, but it'll still be a present for you. Today, as we uh, think about. Yeah, but we'll see. Let's listen to me for just a minute, okay? I know it's hard. <laughs> the, um, the passage that, that Dr. Roxburgh just read was about a friend who was praying, telling him about praying for his friends. And sometimes we sit down to pray. You scoot over this way, Martin. When we sit down to, to pray, we really don't know what to say, do we? Well, I want to tell you, teach you a little way that you can help remember uh, to do that because we want to pray for those that we care about. We want to pray for ourselves. We want to pray for all of these folks. Look at all of these out here. See, all those folks we want to pray for as well. Uh, those that are smiling big at us right now and those who are not, uh, we want to pray for all of those. So one way we can do that is think about this. Martin, can you come right here and help me a little bit? If we were to think about praying, sometimes we pray and we do our hands like this, don't we? I hope we do. You know, it's just a way to sort of show reverence before God and to humble ourselves uh, before God. But think about it this way. If we were to pray and, and let our little finger think about this, that we're going to pray for all the people all around the world, those people in far and faraway places. Uh, next week we'll pray for uh, some it will be in both. I'll tell you that in just a minute. But uh, we'll pray for those that around, the, around the world that might be hungry, they may be in places where there's a lot of war, and we want to pray for them. Next, we can pray for those people that are in our own country. Those, again, there are many people who don't have food to eat. There are people that are struggling. There are people that need our prayers who are sick. And then, what would be another group of people you might want to pray for? What about your friends? Your friends, maybe? You pray for your friends? I know you have lots of friends right? And so when, when you pray, you can bow your head and you can remember that third to say, Lord, help my friends if they're having problems or if they're sick. And then there's two last or two more digits here. One is to pray for your family. Abigail, uh, do you pray for your mom and dad and Millicent? You do, don't you? It's easy to remember that. We can always remember those. Martin, have a, you know, if we offer a prayer, we can say, uh, I hope that my granddad gets here on time to pick us up, and we can pray for him and pray for our parents. And then there's one last one. Now, who do you think that we also need to pray for in addition to those? Your parents, yes, but one more, yourself. You know, it's okay to pray for yourself. We should pray for help. We usually pray if we get in a, in a have a problem, we'll pray for God, please help me. Well, we offer prayers to, for God's presence and guidance, and we want to make sure that we understand that, that God is with us always, but we can pray 
for all of those different groups of people, those around the world, those in our country, those who are our friends, our family, and also ourselves. Next week, we're going to have some of our friends that will be also in this group that's on another continent because they'll be over in Scotland. Some of them are traveling across the Atlantic to Scotland for a trip, and so we'll offer prayers for safe travel for them. Uh, and we'll hope that they return here safely and that they've learned and not been too much of an embarrassment to folks around the world <laughs> as they go. <laughs> but we trust that it's going to be a great trip for them. But we, but we're always, if we're mindful, there are people we can pray for, people yeah. we can remember. Yeah. So let's offer a prayer now for those. Okay, let's bow together for just a moment. Why don't you pray? Lord, we thank you for your presence. We do pray for those around the world, those who are struggling. We pray for those in our own country, both leaders and citizens alike. We pray for those who are our friends who have needs. We pray also for our brothers and sisters and our parents and those close to us. We pray for ourselves, Lord. Help us to follow you closely. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Let's see if I've got something for you. you'd hit it. Okay, here's your birthday present. All right, you can go back to your parents. the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he has this little phrase, he says, and pray also for me. So as you're thinking about the folks that go to Scotland, pray also for me, the tour guide. <laughs> pray also for me. Remember that text this week, okay? <laughs> Will you join me in prayer this morning? Loving God, we thank you for everything that brings us close to you and keeps us close to you. We thank you for the influence of many people within our lives, for those who taught us to pray, for those who enabled us to hear first of your name and that you were the God of love. We thank you for your church, despite its many failings, for the friendships that we have made here, for the comfort we have found, for the strength we have received, for the truth that we have heard. We pray this morning for those who have been broken by life's sorrows, those who have forgotten even how to smile, who are haunted by the emptiness and loneliness of their life. We pray that you may wipe tears from people's eyes, help them to trace, as the hymn writer says, the rainbow through the rain. We pray for those who feel they have reached the end of the road, who are weary, and face a, f a feeling that the end is not hopeful. Enable them to cast their burdens upon you. May they find that your grace is sufficient and that you are the one who is with them. We pray for all who are ill at this time, physically, emotionally, even spiritually. 
We pray that you would grant to all who feel the strain of stress within their experience that you are the one who holds us up in the midst of our lives. We pray for all, including ourselves, that you would grant to us that peace that we have been sharing with one another this morning, the peace that passeth all understanding, the peace of Christ, to hear you say to us, peace be with you. We pray for all who in the busyness of life have perhaps lost touch with you, who are too busy to pray, too weary to worship. We pray that you would grant to them a knowledge of yourself, that you are the God who never withdraws from us even when we seem to withdraw from you. Living God, our loving Heavenly Father, grant grace and peace to all who are ill, those in hospital, and especially those who are coming to the near, near to the end of life. May your love uphold all in such moments that they and we may always trust in you. Grant the hope to pass through disappointments, the peace to dispel our worries, and the wisdom to stay close to you. And all this we ask for Jesus' sake as we pray the words that he taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever.
about 30 years ago, Gwen and myself lived in the northeast of Scotland in a fishing community called Fraserburgh. And our oldest daughter, Jennifer, was about nine years of age at the time, and my mother-in-law came to visit, always a highlight of my year. Soon after she arrived, my daughter Jennifer said, Grandma, would you like to go for a walk? And she said, yes. So they walked down to the shops on a street called Broad Street. They were passing a toy shop when she said, Grandma, in here. And they turned in, and she went straight to the counter and said to the lady who was there, she's here. And that was all that was needed. The lady knew immediately to go under the counter and take out a toy and to ask the grandma to pay for it. She was confident, confident that if only her grandma was here, the toy would be hers to take home. It's not the most perfect illustration about prayer. It's got lots of theological holes within it, but the confidence of that little girl who knew that if her grandma was there, she could get the toy that her dad wasn't willing to buy her. <laughs> now, I confess that I'm always reluctant to speak about prayer. I'm no expert. I've listened to many sermons on prayer, and I've probably preached several of them myself that have induced more a feeling of guilt rather than assurance and confidence. So one thing I think we as Baptists have in common with Roman Catholics, we're very good at guilt. But I would far rather hope and pray that this morning, in thinking a little bit about Paul's prayer to the Ephesians church or for the Ephesians church, that we might grasp that prayer is an aspect of our developing relationship with God. The God who loves us and the relationship that is not meant to be rushed, but is meant to bring us to that point where the psalmist says, I will make them joyful in the house of prayer. Prayer is primarily, I think, about a relationship. My favorite description of God that I discovered many years ago is the three-mile-per-hour God, the God who walks with us. Abraham walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And that sort of brings into my mind the idea that a relationship with somebody with whom you walk and talk and converse. Now, 30 years later, my daughter Jennifer runs. She likes to run 5K, 10K races. I don't know where she got that gene from, but she got it from somewhere. It wasn't from me. And she likes to shave off just a little couple of seconds from her personal best. The Christian life is, is first and foremost a walk. It's a race in one sense, but it's more of a marathon. <laughs> But it's a walk day by day where we're developing a relationship with God, where in terms of prayer, we're not trying to chalk up our personal best in terms of minutes that we spend in prayer. When I was growing up, that was the problem I had. I felt I had to, pray more, I had to spend more time in prayer. And so I tried to time myself and add on a few minutes each day. Prayer is not about that. It's about a relationship of walking and conversing with God. And so we come to Paul. Why do we think about Paul? Well, the first picture we have of Paul when he becomes a Christian is that God says to Ananias, trying to convince him that Paul is a changed person, he says, look, he's praying. 
Now, Paul was religious, so he had prayed before, but there was something new about that experience. Paul had entered into a relationship with God that he speaks about earlier on in this book of Ephesians, where we, we come to the Father through the Son, in and by the Spirit. We have access to the Father, he says. We have access. We have freedom to come into his presence. Now, Paul knew the difficulties of life. He often talked about it in his letters. But he discovered in the midst of the difficulties of life that prayer was the essential that kept him going. So near the end of this book, he speaks about praying at all times with every prayer and supplication. And then he adds, as I've said earlier on, and pray also for me. Paul never felt that he had made it, that he didn't need the prayers of others. He was an activist, and an activist are notoriously weak at relaxed meditative prayer. We want to be doing things. Paul was quick-tempered and critical at times. He could fall out with people, like Barnabas, his close friend. Hardly the soil in which to grow the gentle plant of prayer. So Paul was not perfect by any means at all, but he knew the value of a relationship with God. The most helpful book that I had when I was a teenager to help me about prayer was written by a Norwegian Christian called Oscar Hallesby. It taught me that the basic aspect of prayer that I need to remind myself about over and over again is helplessness. He has a whole chapter where he talks about prayer as helplessness. He says it's only when we are helpless that we open our hearts to Jesus and let him help us according to his grace and mercy. He goes on later on in the chapter to say, it is not our prayer so much that moves Jesus as Jesus who moves us to pray. It's about a relationship. And we're often helpless not knowing what to pray, how to pray. But even our helplessness, even saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, will enable us to develop that relationship. And so Paul talks about that. He talks about in Christ Jesus, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ so that we have access in one spirit to the Father. I heard the story about a little boy who was waiting for his dad to come home one night after a long day at work. His dad worked long hours and he was away early in the morning and often back late at night. So he came into the, the house that, this night. The little boy was apparently sitting on the, the steps going upstairs. And I said, what are you doing there? He says, I wanted to speak to you, Dad. He said, what do you want to speak to me about? He said, I'm wondering how much you earn. And his dad said, well, that's not really an appropriate question to ask me. I want to know how much you earn every hour. And he said, why do you want to know that? He says, well, I thought that if I saved up enough, I could have an hour of your time when you come in from work one night. I'm not entirely sure if that's an apocryphal story or not, but it makes a point. We have access, says Paul, access, immediate access, always access into the presence of God, into the presence of God. A theologian just remembering this as I'm speaking, theologian Charles Hodge, who lived in the latter part of the 19th century, taught at Princeton Theological Seminary. And I remember reading that 
he always, at home, when he had his study, he always left the door ajar. Never shut it. Never locked it. It was always ajar so that any of his children could come into the room and speak to him. That's the access we have to God. He hasn't shut the door. He's not closed in upon himself. Our God is a God who gives us access into his presence. And that access enables us to cry to God as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most translations have it, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father. But there's a textual variant within the text that adds, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is an important aspect of the verse that I read when I read it publicly to you. Because often we have difficulty with the concept of God as parent, as father, or even as mother. Because we've had experiences of parenthood that have not been perfect. What Paul is saying here is that our understanding of God's fatherhood is not based upon our earthly experience of fatherhood, which may be good or may be mixed or may be bad. The Father to whom we pray, Paul says, is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul is suggesting that our relationship with God comes to us through Jesus, who introduces us into the same relationship with God as Father that He has known, a relationship of love, of trust, of dependence, and of acceptance. So that through Christ we come by the Spirit to have access to the Father and to know that He hears us when we come. Paul speaks about his experience of prayer, an experience of prayer by enabling him to come boldly, to come with confidence, not in terms of the intellectual awareness when we have, when we try to form words, perhaps clever words, but rather we come with boldness, not because we feel worthy of coming, not because we have achieved anything to make us worthy to be in the presence of God, in fact, there's lots that would make us turn away from Him because we feel in ourselves that we're not worthy. But when we, when we feel unworthy, we don't look at ourselves, we look at Christ. And Christ is the one who brings us into the presence of the Father and enables us to know His love. Paul talks a lot about what we experience in this relationship with God in prayer. I love the way in which in Ephesians 3, he says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And he says that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of the love of Christ that surpasseth knowledge. It's an amazing verse of Scripture. <laughs> There's a length, there's a breadth, there's a height, and there's a depth to the love of Christ. And it's this love that we enter into when we have a relationship with God in prayer. That's why the psalmist can say, I will make them joyful in the house of prayer. Because when we come into the presence of God, He discloses His love, and we experience it. The height and the depth. The height and the depth. We know the height of God's love 
because we see the depth of his love going to, uh, for us to the cross of Calvary. We see the, the breadth of God's love. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And we know that love not just by ourselves. We know it, says Paul, with all the saints, with all the saints. Here, are, here we are this morning in this building, about 80 people. We're all different. I know many of you, some of you are strangers. You all have a story, the story of your knowledge of God, the story of the way in which in your life, in all the midst of the struggles in your life, you've discovered for yourself what it means to pray, what it means to know God and his love. We bring all those experiences together into the presence of God in our worship and our prayers this morning. And we begin to realize how high, how deep, how broad is the love of Christ that meets us just where we are. Paul is trying to help us to understand here that there are resources to the grace of God that we perhaps have not understood, we've not discovered, but they are there for us to enjoy. My sister Morag is 10 years older than myself and she's been married just over 50 years. I sang at her wedding. Not saying I sang well at her wedding, but I sang at her wedding. Anyway, she and her husband, Bill, they went away on honeymoon for a few nights. They went to a very nice hotel where as a family we had often gone on holiday called Creef Hydro. And she went with her husband, I think for about three nights, and on the third night they went for dinner. They thought they would treat themselves. And when they, were, when they entered into the dining room, uh, the waiter said, it's lovely to have you with us this evening. We missed you on your first two evenings with us. My, my sister and my brother-in-law thought that they had paid for bed and breakfast, but they had actually paid for dinner, bed, and breakfast. They had not enjoyed all that they could have enjoyed within the hotel. The riches of God's love and grace for us are immense. Sometimes we're only tiptoeing in the depth and we're not discovering it all for ourselves. The one thing that I say to people about Scotland is there's a lot of water there. We don't have lakes, but we have lochs. Loch Lomond, Loch Arbor, Loch this, Loch that, and Loch other, you know? We've got a lot of rain. It's not going to rain much when we're there, but it's always useful to have an umbrella with you. Well, one of the great lochs of Scotland is Loch Lomond. And in the early 1950s, there was a power station built on Loch Lomond, powered by water, which was drawn from a smaller loch high up in the hills. The water from the hidden loch was transformed into power and into electricity to give heat and light to the surrounding district, even to the city of Glasgow. Paul says in this chapter, I pray that according to the riches of his glory and grace, he may grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Does it seem too great? Does it seem too much? Does it seem to be beyond 
our expectation? Well, Paul knows that. So this is how he finishes. To him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly more than all we can ask or even imagine. <laughs> all we ask or even imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forever. I invite you, I invite myself to discover more of this life of prayer and the grace of God. Will you pray with me? God of love and grace and mercy, we come sometimes just paddling in the great ocean of your love. Enable us to feel the warmth of the waves of your love as they touch our lives that we may be filled with all the fullness of your grace. We ask this in our Savior's name. Amen. Our final hymn reminds us of the, the width of Christ's love, how wide, how long, how high, how deep, how wide the love of Christ. 437, will you stand to sing? Would you pray with me? God, giver of life, source of hope, who forgives our failures, we come to you in this time of commitment to bring you our tithes and our offerings. We offer them with gratitude.
for all our blessings and faith that they will be used through this church to spread the good news and make life easier for those who are suffering and struggling. Let us never forget Jesus' admonition to feed my sheep. In his name we pray. Amen. Loving Lord, receive these tithes and offerings. We dedicate them to you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless them and multiply them. That glory might come to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Can we see it for just a moment, please? Once again, let me welcome all those who are our guests today, those that have uh, maybe some been coming for a while, but others who are uh, here for the first time or maybe passing through town. We would like to tell you that we have a a little reception there, some lemonade and cookies, and it gives a chance to meet some folks. And of course, our folks enjoy the lemonade and cookies too. But uh, take time to, to visit with us there for just a moment there in the narthex. Uh, next Sunday, um, our group will have gone uh, to Scotland, travel to Scotland. They're meeting there, and we'll pray that they all get there safely, and that you're able to to uh, connect with everybody, with each uh, the whole group together. And then while you're there, we'll be praying for you uh, as you're. Um, 
spending time there together in a fellowship with rich fellowship that you'll enjoy too. We don't have Wednesday activities nor Thursday this week and through the month of uh, July we'll not have Wednesday evening activities, but uh, there will be opportunities for you to fellowship together, some events that we've, we've planned and you'll want to uh, take note of those. But uh, think about, at least our Sunday school lesson today was about the Spirit of God working at work in the world around us in ways we don't always notice, in ways we don't always take into our minds and hearts. But look for that today, this week, and each day. How is God working in the world to bring about goodness for all that his, he has created, but also in and through the lives of those he has called to follow? So now, as we prepare to go out, ask Dr. Rockford to come and pronounce our benediction. And as we go, know that the grace and the love and the mercy of God will never leave you and never forsake you.